cut but morally corrupt it's forwards backwards podcast not from the corner of glenway and monroe and not from the give me some truth studios this week we discuss whether vec really just rhymes with wreck off season or the four seasons landscaping and keith takes on big rake as always i'm joined by the Thelonious monk to my john coltrane kyle carr dan fallon who is not the hardest working man in Madison pod, Sports Podcasting is not joining us and should be known is no longer eligible for the 401k plan. Kyle, as the hardest working man in forward and generally Madison Sports Podcasting, uh, do you think the flock should have an electoral college? Absolutely not. If there's anything we have learned from the past week, it's that the Electoral College is a complete sham of a system now and is so outdated that I'm pretty sure if it was on a Windows, it would even make Windows 95. That is how shitty it is. Probably need to get past it. And also because I like more, I like counting votes. It's easy. It's straightforward. It's to the point. So that's what we should do for the elections for the flock. And also, if you want to check out the flock's annual general meeting, that will be tonight, if you're listening to this, on Tuesday, 7 p.m. It will be virtual. So you have no excuse not to pop back in and check to see what we did and trying are trying to do in 2021. That would be uh, Tuesday, November 10th is the general meeting. If you have questions about uh, you know joining that, uh, Kyle, you, you don't necessarily deliver it with the same dulcet tones that Dan Fallon does, but you can always reach out to us uh, on the Twitter machine. What's our Twitter handle, Kyle? It is at forward back wah two. And forward even though I've been trying to see, I don't even know it. <laughs> yep. yep. I've been on a Twitter hiatus to an extent for the past week, and I've already forgotten the Twitter handle. Uh, there you go. But uh, Kyle did make a triumphant return to Twitter with uh, basically uh, telling Donald Trump the bitch-ass coward to get his ass uh, a U-Haul and get the hell out of the White House, I think. It was essentially the gist of the message. You may have put it more eloquently, but it was all caps, which is very important. Uh, we're very lucky as well to be joined by the man we call the Che Guevara of uh, American soccer, also known as the Johnny Appleseed, the Mr. Peabody of American soccer, the Willy Wonka. I think I've given you other nicknames, but they are now lost in the, the bowels of my mind. Uh, his newest job is foundering, is it founding partner, founding manager? Foundering? Uh, uh, foundering, foundering, uh, foundering Peter Wilt. Uh, of uh, <laughs> the new Nisa franchise, not even a franchise. This is an important distinction that, uh, you know. Clear people, difference. Hey, clear difference. The new Nisa club. In Chicago, uh, Peter Wilt. Uh, Peter, thanks for joining us. Great to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. I was afraid you lost my phone number. Uh, well, you did get a new BlackBerry, so you know that would be that would be a real issue, wouldn't it? It's a thing of beauty. I tell you what. I thought they stopped making them, but nope. I found the last one in America. So uh, Peter Wilt uh, was one of the BlackBerry influencers. I think there was a whole you know, Instagram campaign around you being a BlackBerry in influencer. I may have been the only BlackBerry influencer. And uh, we saw that campaign is gone because nobody uses BlackBerry. So I'm not very influential, Keith. <laughs> if you could be an influencer for anything, uh, Peter, what would you influence for? 
Like, what do you um, think, think not enough people are on board with other than the BlackBerry, which you've obviously already killed? You know, it, it, it's too late, but I was a real fan of Woolworth's stores. And I, I think if I had it all over to do again, I would have been more effective in my passion for influencing Woolworth's. After that, uh, probably um, domestic lager beer. Not enough love in this country for the Miller highlights, the Pabst and Schlitz and Strohs and Olympias. A lot of good beer out there that's maybe not appreciated by enough people. I think what they used to call good old-fashioned macro brews. Now, the the Woolworths things bring something up, and, and Kyle was probably uh, too young for this. But Woolworths was known in, in the genre of stores as five and dimes, right? And Correct. so for I used to go for my grandmother's. There was a Ben Franklin, another famous sort of five and dime. What, how would you describe, the, the five, for the younger listeners at home, how would you describe a five and dime? And what is the appeal of a Woolworths to you? It's a, bar, a variety store because literally you could get anything there. I think the evolution of a Woolworth store, and it's probably what killed them in, in the end, is that uh, Target and then Walmart essentially took their, their business model, which is to have everything available for sale and made it on a grander scale. Woolworth was essentially the first Walmart or the first Target, but in a, in a very a smaller version, smaller real estate uh, smaller towns started in Lancaster, Pennsylvania in 1879. Don't you know? And uh, they sold so many products at volume, they were able to get the prices down. And I wonder if they put out out of business other companies that had been around for a long time. Uh, well, I think you know they probably they nationalized Woolworths, Fran- you know Ben Franklin. I think that the real competitor came from once. You know, drugstores used to be, you might have a soda fountain, you might have, you'd go into the pharmacy, you'd have that, but it was pretty much, you got, you got drugs there. And then Walgreens and your CVSs and your, uh, what was the other one around that they started? ShopRite? Was ShopRite? ShopRite was more of a grocery store, wasn't it? I'm I'm trying to think. There's one, like, isn't there one in like the East Coast or like the Northeast? There was uh, Rite Aid. Rite Aid. Well, that's Rite what I, yeah, that's what it was. Okay. Rite Aid. And then you also had in New York, what was it? Dwayne Reed was the one in New York. And Canada, you had Rexall. Indeed. And so what, what those places started doing is bringing in a little five and dime to the drugstore or to the, the pharmacy and expanding everything. Because you can get everything now at a, at a Walgreens. Blow in the dark. Yeah, but, but Target's even gone above and beyond where now you do your grocery shopping there. So... Yeah, I, I swear last time it was in Target, um, they fenced off part of the parking lot and they were selling cars. <laughs> Wouldn't be surprised if those Super Target and Fitchburg started doing that, to be honest. A Target is a little bit like a casino in that it's really easy to get into. It's impossible to get out of. You just, you get lost somewhere in there. And no clocks. No, no clocks. And I think artificial daylight all the time. Like I think there's a 24-hour uh, Target that there's some, you know, there's some big SUVs in the parking lot and people are just wandering through for hours. Weirdly enough, I feel like Target's one of the few stores where I can just go in, get the shit I need and immediately get out. Like if I'm going to Target, I have a purpose. I'm going in, I'm grabbing, you know, maybe baby stuff, maybe, you know, some 
bins or something and then i immediately leave i'm surprised i've been able to do that because i feel like target is a prime example of a store that you can end up wandering around and next thing you know you've been in there for an hour hour and a half now, this is going to sound sexist, but there is a certain way that I think men tend to shop, which is like we get one item at a time and that's it. It means we, we're inefficient because we have to keep going back because uh, it's like I'll go, to, I'll go to Walgreens and just get a thing of lemonade. It's like I have 18 other grocery needs, but I'll just go in, get a thing of lemon, lemonade and, and leave just with that one item. I know I need to go somewhere and get like pasta and food and sustenance but it's like no i need lemonade right now i'm gonna just go in rather than put together a grocery list be smart about it i just go in come in leave men don't make lists men are not organized it's against our nature <laughs> well, golf of instinct yeah I, I think you know we we have you know uh if we're going really down this you know where we're going to start grunting at each other here version of the podcast uh, I think, you know, we're just, we're just not smart enough to multitask. Well, I think Kyle, you hit on it with target is bins, those plastic bins. Um, and I think the day that the target buyer decided I'm going to have plastic bins to sell at target, their stock went through the roof because everyone buys plastic. They don't go to the container store. There's a whole store called the container store. But people yep. don't go there for it. They go to Target. Uh, speaking of bins, Peter, you uh, must have helped out Target stock price in all of the bins that you got to organize the attic and, and the basement. By the way, that transition right there is why I'm the best in the business. I just want to put that out there. That transition, boom. It doesn't get any better. I set it on a tee for you, and, and you knocked it out. Yeah, yeah. Well done, it's, this is this right is, in the middle of the fairway. Perfect the, drive. Yeah, the wilt, the wilt, uh, the wilt pony was uh, synergy. Never. Indeed, uh, my attic uh, cleanup and organization, and the basement cleanup and organization, uh, did uh, result in Target doing very very well during COVID. Uh, their sales have actually gone up and much because of my um, organization, which is still ongoing. The basement is complete, 40 plastic bins for the basement, and the attic is catching up to it. I think we're at about 75% completion on the attic organization, and we are probably at about 25 or 30 bins up there. So uh, recent discoveries, recent finds, anything that's kind of shocked you deep in the history? Of, you have a lot of Woolworth stuff up in the attic, right? Yeah, the, most of the Woolworth stuff ended up being up in the attic. Um, in 1930s and 40s, a singer and actress, Deanna Durbin, well, uh, some scrapbooks uh, with her, some sheet music. But um, recently, the, the world has been working against me to uh, get up in the attic and organize. First of all, a daylight is much shorter. And, and without sunlight, it's really difficult uh, to do the organization up there. And then there's this, this job I've, I've got and that is really getting in the way, which kind of stinks. So my, my time is short. I've not been spending a lot of time in the attic. Uh, I do have a social media post ready to go out with, I think it's in five parts, but it's all uh, sports souvenir programs, uh, media guides, and um, magazines, basically. Uh, there is a 1950 football digest. 
on the cover is a University of Minnesota player tackling an Ohio State player. And I'm looking at that cover. I'm like, you know, I've seen that before. I'm going through my old post from the basement from three months ago. I have the exact same 1950 <laughs> issue in the basement. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. This is what happens when you get old. I have books that I have multiple copies of as you know, if you're watching on the simulcast, of course, one of the features is, is of course my, my bookcase behind me. And quite frequently it's like, Oh, that's a good book. I should, I should have a copy of that. And, uh, I'll, I'll frequently all of a sudden discover that I already had that exact edition somewhere else. So, uh, also in the meantime, I had my, um, yeah, I, I don't know if you were aware of this, but or the listeners may not be, but, um, Along with a couple of friends in 1993, I invented Fantasy Celebrity Death League. And Which 2020 uh, has been a big year. It has been already. So we just had our draft about uh, 10 days ago, and we've already had two deaths in, in the last uh, 10 days. Sean Connery was uh, the, the first death of the year, unfortunately not on my roster. But I had the, the, no, I had the number two pick in the draft just a couple of weeks ago. And I was very afraid that my, my top selection was going to be picked by the uh, number one spot. Fortunately, he passed, and I got Rush Limbaugh. That, that one, you, you don't feel any shame in rooting for a slow and horrid death. No, it, it's uh, a winner. It can be quick. It can be, it can be over with. Let's, let's just finish yeah, the job. Yeah. Uh, off the air and just slow and painful – I'd like him to get some sort of thing that eats his organs slowly from the inside. Um, A MERS virus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Was Trump taken? Yes, he was. He was. uh, So I had him on my roster, okay? Uh, We we are a keeper league. 35 (laughs) of your roster players you keep, and then you have to draft back up to 50. So the draft is 15 rounds. And I had, I think, I don't know, six or seven deaths last year. So I had to drop uh, nine and then uh, draft back up to 15. One of the drops I had was Donald Trump. For better or worse, whatever, I dropped him. And then uh, another team snagged him before I could get him back. Yeah. So he's no longer on uh, 104 Black Roses. That's, that's your team name, 104 Black Roses. Yeah, Rose Kennedy was my first death ever in 1994. And she was 104 years old at the time, uh, which at the time we did not have a penalty for deaths on your roster over 100 years of age. So she was worth 10 points. It was a flat rate at that point. Yeah. Um, a flat rate above 90. I think you got more points under. Now we change it so you get one point for every year of age under 100. And then if you're over 100, well, if you're exact, if you're 100 in your 100th year, you get 100 bonus points which that prevents you because otherwise you just drop them when they're 99. Yeah. 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 Because when they're 101, you get a negative two points and that penalty doubles every year, every year. So Olivia de Havilland was a negative, I think 32 points or no negative 16 points this year for whoever had her. It wasn't me. So can you drop them if they're over a hundred? No. Once they're older, you're stuck with them. Ooh, interesting. So it's a gamble. Do you go for it? Yeah. Someone has Norman Lloyd on their roster. Norman Lloyd is 106. Oh, man, that's going to... If he goes this year, it's a negative 64 points. That's enough to wipe out a completely good season. 
when you're when you're when you're celebrity and you want them to go this year not next year because next year it's 128 yeah 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 well, you have to play at some point you gotta give a bonus back like at some point if a guy lives until he's 110 they gotta get like maybe every 10 years you start especially considering there's 2020 and a pandemic <laughs> yeah if norman lloyd makes it through i mean that guy that guy is that, that's some great gming yeah, we, we added a COVID bonus. So if someone on your roster dies of COVID, if that's the primary cause of death, uh, you get a bonus 19 points in honor of COVID-19. 19, yeah. yeah. And now do you do season by season? Is it lifetime? How, how does this work? So the Kevorkian Cup goes to the annual season by season winner, uh, which I've won more Kevorkian Cups than anyone in all time. And um, then there's no, a- at your, when you die... Is that the first thing you want in your obituary? Is he's won more Kevorkian cups? No, I want the Schlapsed. Um, okay, inventor of Schlapsed, winner Schlapsed. of Kevorkian cups. Kevorkian cups. Let's get that Fair order enough. right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it'll be an exciting season. Uh, you mentioned something about having another job, Peter. What mm. is this job? I don't recall. <laughs> oh, okay. Sounds made up, I guess. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, I want because... to know if they're going to hire you as GM of the of the Milwaukee Bucks, and you're finally going to get rid of Coach Bud. Yeah, um, yeah, get rid of that Greek guy they got on the team. Unfortunately, <laughs> his contract's running out next year. So. Look, I get that Thanasis is not as talented as everyone expected, but yeah. maybe we should try to keep him around. <laughs> Good point. There are two of them, two Greeks in the Bucks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, get a few more and you got the Greek national team. Yeah, they do okay, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I do like the terrible movie about Giannis's life. And uh, I feel like at some point you're going to w- wiggle your way, Peter, into being an extra in that movie. I've retired from being an extra. I was an extra uh, in the 1978 film, The Fury, with um, uh, was it one of the Douglases. I don't know if it's Kirk Douglas or Michael Douglas. Uh, and then there's Andrew Stevens. Um, oh, gosh, a bunch of fam- me. Um, so, yeah, all sorts of. Yeah. yeah. It, it pops up on uh, FX once in a while. So I highly recommend The Fury. Uh, I, I had beer the other night with the writer of The Straight Story. Do you remember the, the Straight Story? Directed by David Lynch about the old guy who gets into his tractor and drives to from Iowa up to Mad- up to Wisconsin to see his brother. And he was the one that actually, David Lynch lived in Madison for a while. And his favorite bar in Madison, La Tigre Lounge. So you're yes. going to, yep. Such a great place. What my favorite. Uh, you've never just been to La right, Peter? I think yeah, yeah, yeah. Pre-pandemic worry of ours that you've never been there. No, I, th- I think I've been there. All the tigers. I'm sure that's like the first thing I did when I moved to my house because my house isn't that far from it. And that was one of the first things we did. Great jukebox, too. Speaking of celebrities in Madison, I just found out, and I'm sure you guys knew this, that the White House photographer, Sousa, uh, lives in Madison. Yeah. 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 And moved here for some sort of project he was doing after that. There was something. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, you know what a Madison games, I I don't know. We should, we should invite him open invitation, Mr. Souza to, to come to our, to forward. John Phillips Souza. No, what is his first name? 
You're asking. And I just watched the documentary. Have you seen the documentary? I have not. My in-laws, I think, did. I have not. Yeah, highly recommend it. It's. Uh, um, I, I I started watching the Queen's Gambit. Uh, highly recommend. Uh, Kyle, you were watching that, weren't you? No, I. Funny thing, I'm not ever gonna watch it last night. And I, when she was telling me what it was, I was like, you know, I'm not really feeling it. It sounds kind of boring. I'm gonna pass. So we watch Easy A instead. Uh, I recommend it. Susa, Pete Susa. By the way, Susa's first name is Pete. And um, can we call him Peter? Should we call him Peter? No, it's Pete. Call him I mean, Pete. Can... I think I think it's you know one of those obscure names that was from another generation, and they they don't call people that anymore. Interesting. Like Bertha. No more Berthas. Bertha, don't you come around here anymore? Uh, as the Grateful Dead once famously sang. Uh, so, Peter, what what is going on in Chicago? Is so, there something? I was unemployed for a bunch of weeks, turned into months, and I was afraid it was going to turn into years um, because the USL told me uh, your job is on pause because of the pandemic. We'll call you back when we start playing games again. And they started playing games again, and, and you know, I was looking at my phone, and <laughs> it, it just wasn't ringing. <laughs> I don't know what happened, but maybe the, the BlackBerry, you know, the, the phone probably stopped yeah. ringing. So I, I probably missed the call is what happened, I think. Um, but I think you back. The BlackBerry may have hold, held you back for a long time. That's the reason why you never went from the Chicago Fire to Manchester United. They called the BlackBerry. They couldn't <laughs> accept international calls. The Glazers yeah. were like in Manchester calling you, and it just never, it never made it through. So the BlackBerry may not even take interstate calls, much less <laughs> international calls. Which, uh, I don't know if this is a um, uh, AT and T thing or a BlackBerry thing, but every time I'm driving from Wisconsin over the Illinois border on I ninety four, down by the uh, down by there, uh, down by the Brock Stop and uh, Mars Cheese Castle and Mm-hmm. And Tim Tom's cheese shop and all. Anyway, yeah. aren't, aren't there also a couple of uh, Four Seasons uh, porno shops there? Fantasy Fantasy Land Adult Bookstore, I believe. Absolutely. Yeah. You get, you get to that. Out. You get past Pleasant Prairie, and that's when it starts getting to the good yeah. stuff. It does get sketch. Uh, so you cross the Illinois border, and the phone signal goes out. So if you're on the phone talking to someone while you cross the Illinois border, you lose them. I'm going to blame that on Foxconn. I think they're putting something out in the atmosphere to, you know, now this actually, this is actually one of my questions, Peter, relevant to, you know, current events. What's the weirdest place you've ever hosted a press conference? Because I know you love the weird and the odd and the interesting. We, it used to be referred to as Americana. And so I'm curious, you know, you must have, you know, for instance, for the, for forward, you guys did the press conference in an unconventional locale at the, at the state historical society. I'm wondering where else, you know, where's the weirdest place you've ever done? Was it between a crematorium and an adult bookstore? Not yet, but that is quite (laughs) inspiring. At Indy 11, we hosted our uh, press conferences as at various iconic historic Indianapolis places. Uh, to introduce our goalkeeper, who was from Germany, Christian Nicht, uh, and also to unveil our our jerseys from uh, Diodora, we hosted it at a German beer garden. And that felt right. Um, the Athenium, I think is, is what it's called, 
Uh, in, that sounds more like, uh, you know, your, your local private library, the Athenaeum. Athenaeum. Boston. Thank you for the, the yeah. correction on that. Well, but yeah. no, I, I'm just thinking that's a weird name because it seems more Greek oriented than German. Yeah, it was it, it next. They were next to each other. So it kind of had two parts. And I think you can get right. a Euro, a Euro fry and, and, uh, you know, St. Paul. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, I haven't hit the crematorium yet for a news conference, but I, it's inspirational. It's going to it's you're going to you're going to have a lot of material to work with uh, empty lots, um, you know. So uh, with this new gig I got uh, to, you know, stay out. Of which, yeah, which we're still unclear about what that is exactly. So, you know, yeah, my that's, phone wasn't uh, ringing. Yeah. Um, and I. I was bored because you guys laid me off from the podcasts. Well, we had to downsize. I mean, you know, unlike USL, I think we told you once we start playing games again, we're no longer going to call you. So you got caught really between a rock and a hard place there. We told you we were going to stop calling you once we were playing games. I don't think I got that message from you. <laughs> I kept waiting for it. Knowing, you, knowing Keith and Dan, it is highly possible that they didn't actually make that call. Yeah, I don't think they did, uh, but yeah. maybe Dan was. Dan, I'm sure, was in charge of that part since he's not here. Yeah, can. let's rip on Dan. You know, yeah. no longer on the 401k. Yeah. Um, uh, we, well, we were very we were in intense negotiations with Kyle, and I'll be honest, Kyle wanted extra cash, so it came from your pool. Kyle, I have the signing bonus. Yeah, he did have a signing bonus, and he wanted a long term deal, um, and we just didn't have the salary cap space anymore. You know, podcasts. D3 podcasts, we work on a strict uh, salary cap. I, I still wonder how, you know, the Lansing, they have all those guys at that podcast because of the salary cap. But you don't have a collective bargaining agreement. So how can you legally have a salary cap? Kyle, if you'd like to be represented, I know an attorney that would be willing to take this case up for you. Let's say there's a couple of, I'll take that. I'll take you up on that. Yeah. First of all, we As a CBA you. expert and a cap specialist in the NBA, I can tol- I can figure it out. <laughs> this is this is our secret. We're very good at lobbying. We know lots of lobbyists. The legal stylist has put us in touch with some li- lobbyists. We're a very powerful Division Three podcast, as Grant Wall found out to his chagrin. <laughs> How long do the Bucks have to offer Giannis the supermax or to sign him to it? before so, they can't do it when they finally decide on when the season starts it sounds like free agency will start two days after the draft which will be i think like end of november and as soon as that free agency period opens they are free to make that offer whether Giannis takes it or not is a whole different story and i think they have until open a free agency to the tip off of the first game because they can't do it in the middle of the season which will ostensibly be January? Possibly December 22nd. Okay. Wow. So yeah, time's running out. Yeah. It's, but time hasn't started. They haven't started. They haven't agreed to when the season will start. They're trying to do December 22nd so they can make up $500 million in revenue of lost TV money. Remember, time is a flat circle. That's true. Uh, so, Peter, we, we've covered that. We never called you. It's like vinyl. It's like a record. What's that? <laughs> Time is like a record. It's vinyl. It's a flat circle. Yep, exactly. So Isn't we time open for press. Morris Day was yes open for t- Prince. Yes. 
was very used to appear at Summerfest quite a bit, where he earned the the nickname Morris Day and the Not on Time because he'd usually be scheduled for nine o'clock and not get out there until about ten thirty. Summerfest, remember, shuts down about eleven thirty, so he'd play for about forty five minutes, and Morris Day would that would be it for for Morris Day and the Not on Time. Well, he sounds exactly good. like Summerfest now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He can play at the Harley Davidson stage now. Uh, he did. I think I saw him at the Harley Davidson. I used to work at the Harley Davidson stage. Before that, it was the Miller Genuine Draft. And before that, it was the old style Heartland stage. And before that, it was the Schlitz Country stage. It, yeah, because uh, it was uh, it was spe- the Brewer of Special X used to sponsor what became uh, the Briggs and Stratton stage. Um, I hate that stage. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, people ask me what band have you seen the most in your life? And I would put even money on it being REO Speedwagon because they would play every year at the old style or the Briggs and Stratton stage like two nights consecutively. And so I've seen REO Speedwagon and every year without fail, some guy with a mullet would come up to you and tell you about how he saw him at the Monsters of Rock show at County Stadium in 1979 where, Peter, I think you were a ticket taker, right? Yep. Yeah, yep, I was working that one. And about so you that time, so you I was were, at... Oh, what? go ahead. Well, I was going to say you were without ticket-taking jobs, job opportunities at this point, right? You know, yeah. we weren't calling you. USL wasn't calling you. There weren't... The whole resume, worthless. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So, but about that time, uh, I was at the Schlitz Country stage watching... It was for German Fest, watching an Umpa band which I don't understand why they have different stages because I think it's the same Oompa band at every freaking stage at German Fest. It's, it's my Chinese restaurant in New York City theory, yes. Yeah, it's all the same. But, so I'm at the stage, 3,000 people packed in and they start playing what I later learned was the chicken dance. I'm from Illinois, okay? I was new to these parts. I'd never been to a Polish wedding. Also, 2,999 people start flapping their arms, clucking their hands, wiggling their butt at the same time. And I thought I was on, I was going to say a foreign planet. Can planets be foreign? I think think the the chicken dance definitely is a foreign planet. And so, yeah, I, I, yeah, it was new to me. Kyle, chicken dance aficionado, I assume. I mean, that's one of the first dances you learn in elementary school during the dance topic of gym class. So, yeah, yeah. between that, polka and square dancing, those are kind of like the big three that you learn right away. I I later met Bob Kames, the originator of the chicken dance. He wrote the chicken dance song, which was... And has been living off the royalties ever since, I hope. I mean, that's... He hasn't been living at all for the last... 15 years, but the, the family got the royalties. Yeah. yeah. Actually, his son is much like the guy in, uh, what is that, About a Boy, the, the Hugh Grant, uh, the Nick Hornby novel, where he's just living off the royalties from Santa's super sled. He, th- there's probably a chicken dance equivalent of About a Boy out there somewhere, living, living in like Franklin, Wisconsin. Not in London, not in cool swing in London, no, in like Franklin, Wisconsin. So in Small World, I actually know Bob Kames Jr., and he, he called on me last year in Madison to sell us 
uh, kind of a, a, a VIP product for fans that they could put their ticket stub into a machine and get bonus points and that sort of thing. So he's been to Madison. He's been to um, Reese Stevens Field. He, he exists and he doesn't do the chicken dance while he's trying to make a sale for you. Which, I, I, honestly, that's a legacy you, you want to take advantage of, I think. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so so you, were, you couldn't chicken dance. You couldn't take tickets. We weren't calling you. Uh, USL wasn't calling you. Kyle didn't want to have, couldn't afford you on his Milwaukee Bucks podcast. Uh, salary cap limitations as well. Vox Media so, does not pay enough for anybody. So. <laughs> so, so you were running out of ideas. You looked at the Belvedere Oasis. What prevented you from going there? Um, the on ramp was closed. <laughs> <laughs> If ever there was a metaphor for life, Peter. <laughs> indeed, indeed. But speaking of the Bucks, uh, up in the attic, I found a bunch of souvenir programs from the 1981 Bucks season. Uh, a couple of playoff programs, a couple of regular season Bucks programs. Was Terry Porter was at Sydney Moncrief that they. Moncrief. Drafted. Yeah. That was Moncrief. That was yeah. pretty early. Yeah. And I, I, I found some. Um, in-game stats and some uh, reporter notebook um, scribblings that I had done because I was actually covering the Milwaukee Bucks as a sports reporter at that time for United Press International. John Killalay was the head coach. That's a wow. small little nugget. Small window. Small window right there. And uh, what are, oh, I also found on the NBA circuit up in the attic uh, draft notes. NBA college draft notes from 1981, I think it was, from um, uh, New York City. It was at the Grand Central Station Hyatt the year Mark Aguirre was picked number one and Isaiah Thomas, the first Isaiah Thomas, um, the one with only one eye, was picked. He has two eyes, but one eye in his in name. In his name. Yeah. yeah. Uh, was, was picked second overall. Wait, does he have two eyes and not three eyes? Or does he have, because I-S-I-A-H, right? Oh, you're right. He's got two eyes, not three eyes. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. I miscounted my eyes. Yeah. I was eyeless. Uh, And I was in New York City just- Out on an island, Peter. You were out on an island. With another eye. (laughs) And so a buddy of mine and I were just on a trip to New York City- and we saw that the NBA draft was going on down at the Grand Central Station. So we meandered over there. We walked into the hotel, up to the ballroom, and they had space for like 50 fans that they could be behind a rope. And the war room tables, the GMs and stuff were just, you know, ballroom tables right in front of you. It was, and Mark Aguirre was like right there. It was a lot easier for, for uh, David Stern to fix the draft back then, wasn't it? Yeah, he put his ping pong balls in the refrigerator. That was right before it, though. So he couldn't really rig the draft this time around. He just had to tell the players, just demand a trade. Don't stay there. Um, But that Grand Central Hyatt, of course, it's great connection to history is that that's kind of the place where Donald Trump made his name in Manhattan, was putting that that building together. Uh, On a happier note, if you ever get to New York and you get to New York City and get to Grand Central Station, Go to the Oyster Bar at Grand Central Station, one of America's great 
restaurants. Um, they have like cafeteria style where you can sit down, have a martini and a plate of oysters. They have food. It's just a, a sprawling, weird restaurant that uh, is kind of a, it would be a great place for a press conference, really, if you, if you were asking me, uh, Peter. I don't like oysters, but it does sound good. Yeah. They have other seafood. Do you like seafood? Do you eat the seafood? I see the food and I eat it. We knew we were going there. We were knew we were going there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, what were you asking me about? Something about Belvedere Oasis? Yeah, you, you couldn't get on the on-ramp there. So you're traveling. And what, what, what on-ramp could you finally get off on, I guess? is uh, Chicago, Illinois. So NISA, I don't know if you've heard of this league, but it's a third division league uh, that was started a few years ago. Um, uh, wasn't there a guy named Peter Wilt involved in founding that league? Coincidentally enough, uh, there was. So is this a demotion for you? Have you been demoted oh, yeah. within your own league? <laughs> Several times. So I went from founding the league uh, to leading one team, one out of 14 teams. It's, yeah, should be much easier. The pay is probably one fourteenth of what it would have been otherwise. But as long as the work is one fourteenth, I'm okay with it. And one of the names on your ownership list and, and team setup is uh, it, it rhymes with wreck. And we know Bill Vec is one of your all-time heroes. And yes. so how exciting is this for you? Oh, terrific. So uh, his grandson, Night Train Vec, uh, has been a friend of mine for about a decade or so. And um, I've always wanted to work with him, but he's always been gainfully employed whenever I was looking for someone. And uh, somewhat fortunately, due to COVID and circumstances, he was available living in Chicago. And despite being mostly a career baseball guy, uh, I thought that there was a good fit for him to help launch this team as our chief operations officer. Most recently, he was actually working in Australia. He was a fan engagement specialist for the Big Bash Cricket League. So he knows cricket, he knows baseball, and we'll find out if he knows soccer. Can he and explain- they care about cricket down there, so that's a big deal. <laughs> Can he explain Australian rules football to us? <laughs> you know, I think he could. Uh, his, uh, his partner, while he was in Australia, she traveled to Australia with him, and she got a job in the professional netball league. Which Netball is this crazy sport. Netball is easy to understand. Love netball. I played it when I studied abroad down there. So Kyle, explain to us for, for listeners at home, what is netball? Netball is pretty similar to basketball where you have the ball and you have to get to, there's two hoops on each end though. You cannot dribble. So you only, you can only pass the ball. That's the only way you can advance the ball forward is by passing it and you can still do pivots, but you know, your range of motion is extremely limited. It's tough. It's really hard because if you have a couple defenders trapping you, it makes it really difficult to make that pass. I think there's like a ring around the hoop. So you can't be in that ring. When you take a shot, you have to shoot it from outside. Um, so it's kind of like basketball without all the dribbling. And there's a restricted area that you can't shoot from, but it I is very know. fast pace. It's very, and are you shooting to basketball hoops? Is it like played on the basketball court? Yes, it's played on a basketball court. You still shoot the ball into the hoop to the best of your ability. Um, but there's no backboard. No. You can't It's just it a pole with the hoop rim, and that's it. Interesting. So you can kind of take a shot from anywhere. It's 
It is really difficult. It seems there's, it's very straightforward to learn. It's just really difficult to do. And it's a lot more running because you have to do a lot of cuts to get yourself open. And it's there. It's kind of like ultimate Frisbee almost. Um, and, and then now the other thing is you have this no backboard. So like, if I miss, does it go to the far side of the hoop? And can I like play behind the hoop? Like in hockey, you can play behind the net. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. I know it's quite popular in Scotland. It's taken off in Scotland. So I'm immediately suspicious of it because, you know, don't, you know, don't get involved with the Scots. You'll end up drunk in Edinburgh at four o'clock in the afternoon. Not quite sure how you ended up in Edinburgh when you started the day in Glasgow. Uh, I'm not speaking here from personal experience at all. Right. So, yeah. Never, never, never done that. Um, so, uh, so you ended up there in, in Chicago. Um, why, what, what are you, you know, what are you thinking about now, Peter, in terms of uh, moving forward? What stage in developing the team are you? Well, I just want to delay starting the team as long as possible so we can remain undefeated. This is, this is good from a sporting perspective, perhaps not so good from a financial perspective. And this... At some point, we'll need to... Well, I was going to say, well, at some point, we'll need to sell tickets, but we can still sell the tickets. Yeah. We just don't ever need to let people into the stadium. You take, take, take the reservations. You don't keep the reservations as as they thank you jerry almost fry fest like yes yeah 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 so um you know covid obviously presents some challenges uh we're and i I saw that you were hoping to be out on the field in 2021 is that true yes in august uh, mid-august and today's news from pfizer is great news for our potential to live up to that timeline and start playing games in august because I think it's going to be third quarter before we start approaching normalization, even with the vaccine uh, hopefully coming to fruition in the next couple of months. Uh, uh, soccer only has two halves. I'm just letting you know. So third quarter, you know, you're mixing your sporting metaphors. I think, you know. Well, it's Nisa. We might change your rules <laughs> up a little bit. You do have that background in indoor soccer. So maybe you could, you know, come up with maybe a bonus ball for the fourth quarter. Actually, one of the real uh, attractions to NISA, and it's, it's what my late partner Jack Cummins and I focused on when we developed the league, was to create a system that uh, resembles the way the sport is played in the rest of the year, the rest of the world. An open system that doesn't have barriers to entry for teams that want to enter, uh, no expansion fees, uh, no exclusive territorial rights, so you can have multiple teams in the same market. Uh, allow for promotion and relegation and be more authentic for the sport. Uh, And it's uh, something that's looking like it's very attractive to investors as well as fans. Uh, And the the response in Chicago has been terrific since we announced the application in early September and the approval for the team just last Monday. Um, now, uh, well, there are a couple of things I think you've, if you've ever listened to this podcast, uh, and Kyle can back me up here, we're not huge super fans of, of USL. I think there are some, uh, you know, uh, what may be known in, in more leftist circles, vulture capitalism-esque 
esque thing. I don't know what you're talking about. We have never slammed a VP on this show. We have never openly complained about the handling of maybe games getting canceled for championships. We've never talked about the inability to handle homophobia and racial slurs being used and the team's handling. Never happened. Never happened on the show uh, at just all. Also, to preserve Peter's reputation, he is actually uh, not on the call at this moment and did not support any of these these things. <laughs> Completely exempt from that. Not um, in Stephen Short's basement. Yeah, not no no longer no longer in Stephen Short's basement. Now that he's with Nisa, he's no longer allowed back into the game room uh, down in Stephen Short's basement. Um, <laughs> Better than being in Stephen Basement's shorts. um now now one of one of the things is that that freedom and one of the kind of interesting things is the ability to uh that that makes setting up local rivals and closer matches and and developing those things easier and i think you guys have a built-in rival uh with detroit and so my question for you is it going to be more like the detroit tigers versus the chicago white Sox, the bulls versus the pistons or the Red Wings versus the Blackhawks. We're not even going to go to the Bears Lions because who gives a you know who gives a, a, a you know that one's very one sided. We know the answer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll go with the White Sox Tigers because um, there's a good chance our team will be playing at a stadium south of Madison Street, as the White Sox are south of Madison Street in Chicago, and I think the Tigers. Certainly when I think of it, I think of old Tigers at Tiger Stadium and more of a, a gritty team in a gritty urban landscape in a stadium like Detroit City is with um, Keyworth. I want to say Kenworth for some reason, not Keyworth. So I, I'll go with that uh, metaphor. But it's going to be interesting because Detroit and Chicago teams, they usually hate each other. But I love Detroit City. I love the the team, the owners, the fans, the venue it's going to be hard for me to um find any bit of hatred for them although you know give northern guard a week and they will find something give northern guard a week they'll hate us they'll hate me they probably already do i know some of them do that's fine Uh, (laughs) but i i I love what detroit city is about i mean they're a a model uh organization a model club well i think really and and we can talk about Deep down, to have a true rivalry, there has to be some sort of level of respect between. And I'm sure, you know, while the Northern Guard may hate you, there's probably a respect for what you've done and hopefully what you're going to build with this with this NISA team in Chicago. And so, you know, because when I think of like the Bears are the Packers. Wait, wait, wait! You don't just announce that you're rivals with someone. Uh, you don't just say you're my rival. Generally, not. It's like giving yourself a nickname. Right. As Dan Fallon pointed out last week on the podcast, don't hang around with anyone who gives himself a nickname. Likewise, don't hang around with anyone who declares themselves your rival. <laughs> I think this is we're, we're teaching life lessons this week, Peter. We want to thank you for coming on. No, you're welcome. But one other reason that I can never hate Detroit City is that they serve Strohs at their games. Uh, and Fago so- Soda. I, 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 Those are very good arguments. Do they come out to the insane clown posse with the Fago reference? I'm just curious. You well, know, but Iggy Pop is their celebrity fan owner. Another yeah. reason to love them. Yeah. yeah, lust for life. You can't 
You can't go wrong. But no, I was saying like the Packers and the Bears, I think of the Bears as the Packers rival. I do not think of the Minnesota Vikings as the Packers rival because I have no respect for Minnesota because they play in a dome. If you're going to play in the, in the Norris football conferences, Chris Berman and one of his, you know, back when he was good, this is 40 years ago, Kyle. So you weren't born yet. Uh, he referred to, you know, as the NFC Norris, I think is how it was referred to. You got to play outside. You got to be able to see their breath on the sideline. I, I don't disagree with you, but the Vikings are not the only indoor team in the division. They're well, not the Detroit Lions play in a dome as well. Yeah, but and they've and they've played in the dome. I mean, I hate to about break the same amount of time. Good, good friend of the pod, Weston Shelton. Nobody cares about the Lions. It's a three-team division. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. it's one and a half. It's one yeah. and a half. <laughs> I mean, it was like, was Tampa Bay ever really in our division? Were the, the Houston Astros ever in the Brewers division? <laughs> exactly. Exactly my point. You know. It's like the, we're, the White Sox and, and Brewers never felt like rivals in the same way that the Cubs and the Brewers always f- have felt a little bit more rival esque Yes, but when the White Sox and Brewers used to play on a regular basis, when they're both in the American League. Back in I the worked, 80s, yep. <laughs> I, I, I worked as an usher at Milwaukee County Stadium. Our stadium jail underneath the – uh, the stands, every White Sox Brewer game was full, overflowing. The fights in the stands were beyond what they are at Cubs Brewer games. So I, I know what you're saying. The the, the 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 baseball rivalry, the fandom per se, is greater with the Cubs and Brewers. But the fights in the stands, well, which have to be one. I'll be honest. A rivalry. Yeah. Uh, I'll be honest though. Really the issue there is you cannot get that many Polish people into one location and not, and not have it be a wedding. I mean, look, they're either going to fight or they're going to polka. Yeah. You've got one or, and if you don't get the polka in early, you're, you're dooming yourself to, to fighting. I mean, that's look, I, I don't make the rules. I'm just reporting from the field. I think our good friend Kuba Shishustaniak would agree me having spent some time, you know, in my I ch- my childhood on the south side of Milwaukee, these are my these are my thoughts. You know, just be careful with us poles. We're we're you know, we're either going to polka or shiv you. That's really what it comes down to. Peter, you look you you look concerned. <laughs> I'm not arguing with a pole that's talking about a shiva. <laughs> no, not that's sitting fair. shiva. Not sitting shiva. Something else. Uh, this actually, Kyle, I have this question for you. Uh, somebody on on Twitter, actually another poll of my acquaintance, posted a rug that had the Mecca floor with the current Bucks logo dead center on it that somebody was selling. But would you buy a rug if they got the Mecca floor right? Would you buy a rug like that for your like man cave? I would contemplate it it would depend on how much it is i'd at least contemplate getting it if it's the original if i mean putting the current logo ruined the whole thing but i i don't know where i'd put it though that's the only problem there's not that much space in my house to put it the floor (laughs) there's not that much floor space once i started yeah i i would want to get it but i don't know where i would put it maybe i'd just hang it on the wall behind me i think i would put it on this wall i mean i just don't you have that would probably be best don't you have a podcasting man cave? 
No, it's pretty much my work desk at the moment. Uh, I need need to start getting some more notoriety and then I can upgrade on things. Well, you are the- Again, Vox Media needs to start paying more for that to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, and, and as well, look, you know, Peter, we are free agents. So when the team gets going, if you want us to put together another half-assed podcast for the Chicago NISA team, we're on board. We work cheap. Um, by cheap, I mean, you know, Dan's no longer in the 401k. Uh, this also would expand our, our salary cap because now NISA is like the Wild West. There is no salary cap. So we can start, you know, we're, we, could, we could go the way of uh, the North American Soccer League where we start importing foreign talent and then eventually bankrupt ourselves. Well, uh, you're from Wisconsin, so you'd be foreign talent for an Illinois podcast. Would be, yeah. Do you have to get a designated player, designated podcaster designate, <laughs> designation for us to work across? No, just use podcast. TAM for that. Okay. <laughs> Some a- allocation money. <laughs> yeah, there's allocation money for that. But you'll have to stay quarantined for 14 days before being allowed out. Yeah. Could we That's podcast from the Belvedere Oasis? Well, that was, I was going to talk about that. Maybe ease into the Chicago NISA podcast by doing a Belvedere Oasis podcast. Well, we did. By the way, how you've left this NISA job means you've left the management of, of the FC Belvedere Oasis team, or are you still? Oh, still involved. I'm asking. Interesting. And, Belvedere uh, Oasis is the NPSL. That's all. And, and, and so with this, uh, you know, Belvedere Oasis team, um, how, how have they been this year? Well, we, uh, we had no uh, deaths this year, which is an improvement on uh, the first year of Belvedere Oasis history. In the 19, oh gosh, in the 1980s, early 80s, I think, uh, this is a true story. There was a truck driver, semi-truck driver, who parked in the, kind of the gas station area on the, the truck side. He walked to, into the Belvedere Oasis to the, the McDonald's. He grabbed some couple burgers and fries, had them in the to-go sack. He walks through the automatic door that opens up. He walks out and suddenly there's an explosion. Half a mile away, there was a manufacturing plant that had a blast and it sent shards of metal across the highway into the Belvedere Oasis and landed on this poor truck driver's head. And he was no longer with us. That, that, that would be the, the place where we should wrap up the podcast, but we have a couple of things that we need to mention here. Uh, no, yeah, it, but so our season was much better this year with that Belvedere Oasis. It's it no one down. It's improving. How was attendance harmed by the lack of an off ramp? It was well. COVID really hurt it in the, uh, in March, April, May. Uh, but then about June, people started to get squirrely and tired of staying inside, and they kept driving anyways. So attendance picked up for a while in June, July, August, and then the off ramp uh, or on ramp. Actually, both ramps were closed down, so we were shut down. So yeah, attendance is. No bueno. Yeah, it's it's been struggling. Uh, no, because we we do want to mention a couple of things. First of all, you know, if if you can uh, join the general meeting, I think it's uh, very important. I, of course, like George Will, believe uh, 
you know, football combines the two worst aspects of American life, violence and committee meetings. The best thing George Will has ever said. So I generally avoid meetings of all sorts. Uh, I won't be there. But Kyle, uh, are you running for office again this year? I will. I am running for vice president and secretary. Interesting. Not secretary. Wow. No, absolutely not. Sorry. Treasurer. Big difference. (laughs) Uh, So you're going to be you're going to be the one that uh, we eventually lead off in handcuffs uh, or. Is this I will not commit any tax fraud. I can guarantee that. (laughs) (laughs) Don't whatever you do, don't admit it live on the air. Although if you're going to admit it live on the air, this podcast is the best place to do it because I'm guessing about I will be setting up a press conference at a four seasons next to an erotic shop outside of Pleasant Prairie. If I do commit a tax fraud. But, uh, you know, right now, as you know, Kyle Chairman Schmidt and I are in our own little uh, cold war about my contribution to the zine. That said, uh, we do heartily endorse uh, Chairman Schmidt's reelection. Um, you know, I think he is running unopposed because he murders anyone that dare rise up against him. But more seriously, he's been doing a, a fantastic job. This year has been extremely trying for him as well, uh, because, you know, part of the, the joy of, of his job is seeing the, the match day experience, the flock in full voice. And without that, and for you as well as a vice president and for the other members of the leadership, it makes the work a little more grueling, I think we could say. And yeah, it was definitely a trying year. I would say it's been exhausting. I'm kind of hoping once we get through the elections and we have our new board, we do the transition at the beginning of December and then take a couple months off, just not have to worry too much, letting the supporter groups do their thing. Cause yeah, we need a break. <laughs> it's been, it's been a long year. It's been a long season. And I, I think it's just the people that did help out and put in the work throughout this whole pandemic deserve a much deserve a shout out. They will be properly shout out, including friend of the pod Flamingos. He deserves a special shout out for the watch parties that he hosted in the second half of the year. They, that alone made it worth going to. And just people like that, anyone that, can step up and wants to step up absolutely should yeah and i think you know people people forget how much behind the scenes work and and you know all that goes into that match day experience and organizing and helping the supporters groups and you know all the cool merch that you see it doesn't appear overnight or out of nowhere so we really you know want to thank all the people in the leadership all the the people put in the time all the people who've, who've worked so hard to do all of that. The other thing I wanted to do, we mentioned it on Twitter, um, you know, the election has swung, uh, I would say, in the, the proper direction. Uh, American fascism has been pushed back at least for four years in the, in the presidency. You know, we do have members of, of QAnon now in Congress. Um, but one of the big things that helped, particularly in the state of Wisconsin, was the work of, of Block and um, Kyle... I know as in your role with the Featherstone Flamingos, you helped uh, raise some money for, uh, for them. And so if you could just talk very briefly about, about what Block did and their impact. Yeah, so Block is Black organizer, Black leaders organizing communities, and it's in Milwaukee. And they, have, they kind of have a threefold process. So one of them is getting people that are running for off, you know, positions in government to kind of help pick the right ones that are doing 
that have a platform to help citizens primarily in Milwaukee. Um, with Milwaukee being the most segregated city in the United States, it's definitely difficult. And when the state is gerrymandered because Robin Voss is a bitch ass coward, that makes things a little bit more difficult. But that was they have three kind of folds on it. One is to help elected officials get the platform that they need. Another is with education, making sure that the resources in the Milwaukee Public School District, especially, can get the resources they need. And then also they have a PAC as well. So those are the three areas, if you made a donation, that can help. But they're kind of the ones that really drove home the votes and getting people out to vote in the Milwaukee area. Obviously, we saw overnight, you know, Wisconsin was trailing. And then thankfully, the Milwaukee votes came in overnight at like 4 a.m. and swung in the right direction. And I think that's a testament to what they did. And Featherstone's role, um, it was kind of relatively small, but we did a matching program after the Jacob Blake shooting. Um, anyone that made a donation, the flock would match. I think we raised a couple thousand. We almost 20,000. It was a couple thousand at least. I have to get the exact number, but that alone helping out the cause for block. And then also I was doing a fair play for empowerment program where for every goal, yellow card, red card, own goal, stuff like that. There was a portion of the proceeds going there. I think so far we've had a couple, like 1,000 donated to them just at the end of the season. And it's just, I think that's showing that when we put the right people and we get the right organizations in charge, they can really make a difference. I mean, like I said, Milwaukee was crucial. Milwaukee County was crucial in, you know, the state of Wisconsin going blue. And I think, we see it in Pennsylvania. We've seen Stacey Abrams do it down in Georgia. And this is a step in trying to fix fascism and all the issues that are plaguing this nation. It's still a little worrisome that almost 70 million people are still on board with this and 48% of the country are on board with it. But it's a step in the right direction. It, But there's still more work that needs to be done. And I think that's going to be one of the things that we at Featherstone do is continue supporting that organization. Um, and, and what I'll say is, you know, from my own, you know, uh, things that I've done, um, one of the things that that Block does so well is in the in the pandemic, they still worked really hard to get out into the local communities, get people registered. And the, the pandemic made that even harder, I think, in, in these sort of current uh, situations. Um, the the uh, other thing that I want to mention is I've been meaning to mention this. So want to give, you know, sort of the props to forward for supporting that organization block for getting people out to vote, getting people registered, because one of the reasons we saw such a huge decline and, and 30,000 votes was the difference in 2016 in the state of Wisconsin. And part of the reason for that was Wisconsin's racist voter ID laws, which were specifically targeted to, single out students and, and African-Americans and African-Americans above all. And, you know, by Block's work, they have helped overcome. Now, the next step is to, you know, hopefully in 2020, uh, you know, with a Democratic governor, we can, you know, uh, re, re ungerrymander the state, um, hopefully get fairer maps in, in Wisconsin and start undoing the damage of the last 10 years here in the, in the state on those sort of particular issues. Um, I, I think it's sad that voting um, and being a, and making voting as easy as possible for people has become a partisan issue. That's, you know, uh, one of those things that, that really saddens me about the state of the country. Um, the other thing that I wanted to mention here as we go in, I've been meaning to mention it on the podcast, and I've sent myself reminders for weeks, 
Uh, our very first guest, Elizabeth Riley, uh, has a podcast of her own called Damsels, uh, where they uh, basically take a, uh, how would I put it? it it's uh, a smart, interesting uh, perspective on female characters in popular culture. Not necessarily, I wouldn't say per, per se feminist, um, though there is obviously that going on, but it's uh, sort of approaching, okay, from the, the perspective of the female characters as, you know, various things are, are moving on in, in pop culture. It's kind of wandered all over the place. There was an episode about the Highlander, uh, Midsummer. Um, they kind of move around and, and just kind of bring those up. I know Elizabeth has been working really hard on the, on the podcast and uh, just wanted to give them a shout out. And so our six listeners can also go to that podcast. Um, and, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll bring some of that credence. So I think the way she's been working at it, we're probably going to have to be reaching out to them very soon for shouts for our podcast. Hey, if you're really interested in listening to a podcast about a uh, division three soccer team, or maybe even, you know, getting on board with uh, the NISA podcast, uh, we're going to be recruiting recruited for. Um, the final thing uh, and related to Kyle, a little bit, what you said, I was going to say yeah. one last shout out, shout out to friend of the pod, Francesca Hong for getting elected first Asian American in Wisconsin state legislature. She's awesome. She's a badass. She calls it like it is. And we, I'm, I think all of us can agree and Dan included, we are very happy for her and well-deserved. Yep. And that was actually, I think, you know, one of the things that I, that I wanted to, uh, uh, mentioned is a, a friend of mine sent me a, a brief note on Saturday and he went to Forest Hill Cemetery in Madison and Peter as the grave expert, you've probably been there, uh, and went to the grave of Robert M. LaFollette. And, uh, and he, he was, uh, the, the idea of no, the notion for LaFollette was that, uh, you know, progressive agenda is never, ever a given and that you have to keep fighting for it at every stage. And I think uh, Francesca Hong uh, definitely is a fighter. And so we're excited to have her uh, and have her win. And that's our, you know, exhortation, I guess, going forward. In, a, in addition to that, Peter, have you been to Bob LaFollette's grave? Several times. Yeah. When um, I'd have a tough day at work in Madison and things weren't going well uh, uh, and I needed a break to clear my mind, I'd actually go to uh, Forest Hill Cemetery to Bob LaFollette's grave and and try to uh, uh, commune with him. Um, he's obviously a, a progressive icon and someone that uh, inspires me. And so, uh, you know, I think uh, the, the important recognition is we should all celebrate and enjoy um, and realize that still work to be done, right? Uh, and that that agenda, we have to, to carry it forward. Um, with that said, I, I say good night, a long podcast, but we say forwards, not backwards, upwards, not forwards, and always twirling, twirling, twirling towards freedom. 